I don't think we can underestimate the significance of losing the handshake as the normal way of greeting each other. Maybe I'm over-exaggerating a little bit. My siblings always tell me I take things way too seriously, but I think it is very significant that it's not straightforward anymore whether you can shake hands or not. A handshake is over 3,000 years old. We have depictions of handshakes in caves from 3,000 years ago. It was a way to show that I am disarmed, that I have no weapons, that I come in peace. It was a way of establishing trust. But it was even more than that. Right? What is said that is not spoken every time you give a handshake? Right? When you go in for a handshake, you're open-palmed. It's an invitation. You don't know the hand that's coming back your way. You have no idea where that hand has been. And you will never know. But you reach out for it anyway. And when you reach out and you shake that hand, you clasp hands. You don't know what that person's going to do when they grab your hand. Maybe they're a judo master and they're going to flip you around as soon as they grab that hand. It's a moment of vulnerability when you squeeze that other person's hand. I know for me, a challenge personally was when I lived downtown Edmonton meeting the homeless and going to shake their hands just as freely as anybody else that I would meet. For the last three years, we've settled for elbow bumps or six-foot-away waves instead of a handshake. And we've lost a lot of that breaking down of barriers between people through a simple handshake. Right? You can go to a complete stranger, and in that moment, by a simple handshake, you break down the estrangement. You open communication with another person. You allow that other person to break through, to break in to your life, even though you've never met them up until that point. The first words that we hear in our readings tonight is, the people in darkness have seen a great light. Sounds nice. Think of the last time that you were in darkness and light pierced through. It doesn't feel good. It's jarring when light breaks into the darkness, when God breaks through. See, because it's kind of painful and a little bit jarring when somebody tries to break through, what we usually relegate ourselves to more often than not is not letting others break through, but instead trying to break free. We often live life trying to break free from things. Right? Maybe I'm trying to break free from my financial situation. Right? If I just make a little bit more money, then I'll be able to have this house that will give comfort. Or if I just get this next promotion, then I'll have some stability in my life and I can be assured of things. Or maybe you're trying to break free from an emotional state. I just don't want to feel this way anymore. I want to feel something different. And so you try to break free from that emotion in your life. Maybe you try to break free from your circumstances that you're not particularly content about the circumstances of your life and you're trying to break out of that in some way. Maybe you're trying to break free from government and authority, that nobody's going to tell me how to live my life, and so I'm going to forge my own way through despite what other people tell me. Or sometimes it's just trying to break free from the reality of sickness and death in the human experience. But I don't want 
to have to carry that burden of sickness and death. I want to break free from it in whatever way I can. Now, breaking free is part of being human, and it's not a bad thing, but sometimes we can get fixated on it. And it almost becomes like the only thing that matters. Or it becomes the way that we approach every aspect of my life that I'm trying to break free, break free, which means that we never let anyone break through. See, if we fixate on trying to break free of things in our life all the time, it becomes increasingly selfish, and we don't let anybody else in to our life. We might let them be a part of our life, but we don't let them in to our life. The way that kind of plays itself out when we go to prayer is we go to God and we ask God for the things that we think that we need, that we want. But probably more often than not, they're the things that we want so that we can break free of whatever our current circumstance is. So if God just hands us what we need to break free, what's going to be the reality on the other side of that? I got what I need, now I move on. Will that lead to deeper faith? Will that lead to deeper relationship with God and the people around you? Do we let others break through? I heard something recently that blew me away. Apparently, the golden rule isn't good enough anymore. Apparently, what's being laid out there and starting to be taught places is the platinum rule. And the platinum rule is to do unto others as they would want done to them. Now, I get the sentiment. The sentiment is that we don't try to force what we think is good on other people, right? I think a good time and a good evening is an oiler game with a rum and coke. Some of you might think that that is the worst way to spend an evening. So I get the sentiment. But what they're presuming is that in the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do to you, is that I don't care what the other person thinks. I'm just going to do whatever I think is good for them. The whole point of the golden rule is the acknowledgement that I don't know what's good for me, and you don't know what's good for you. But if we do this together, and I try to think of what's best for you, maybe between the two of us, we'll figure out something good. Because love is about communicating between two people. It's not just taking what I want. It's about trying to give of myself to the other person, them receiving what I offer, even if it's imperfect and broken, and then them giving back and me receiving. That's what the golden rule is about. This platinum rule just becomes... Well, you can give me what I want, but if you can't give me what I want, then you can't really be part of my life. It becomes selfish when we don't let and we aren't willing to let others break in, break through in our life. And what we celebrate at Christmas, what we celebrate as Christians, is that at Christmas, God breaks through. That our belief as Christians is that God the Son became flesh, entered human history to become a part of what we live and what we experience. The God that we believe in, we say, is love. And God who is love became flesh. And love breaks through. Love disrupts our life. It throws it off. Right? Sometimes we like to kind of have this sentimental idea of Christmas, right? We look at the nativity scene, it looks peaceful and joyful, and 
yeah, it's nice. I do that too. Right? I'll go home tonight and I'll sit in front of my tree with the nativity scene. It'll be beautiful. That's not Christmas. When you listen to the readings, what is the answer that has to be given to the people that are experiencing Christmas? Don't be afraid. I know this is crazy, but don't be afraid. Right? The angel Gabriel coming to Mary, do not be afraid. The angel coming to the shepherds, don't be afraid. Because when God breaks through, it's not comforting. It's the light piercing into the darkness. But through that breaking through, relationship is established. God wants to be with us in the life that we experience. Part of what's symbolic in the Christmas story is there's no room at the end. Who was ready, who was willing for God to break through when Jesus was born? Mary, Joseph, a donkey, and a cow. God spent 4,000 years trying to prepare his people for the day when he would send his son. And two people and two animals showed up. And then it took the angel disrupting the shepherds for somebody else to come. Are we willing to let God break through into our lives? Because as important as loving others is in the way that we live our Christian life, it is equally important to let others love us. If we do everything that we can to love God in this life, but we never let God love us, where are we at? What are we doing? Our Christian life doesn't start from us. It starts from God first, and then we respond. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, the God who breaks into our life. And that's what we can celebrate looking at each other tonight. Each one of you is here in some way because God has broken through into your life. No matter where you're at in your life of faith, right? You stopped whatever Christmas celebrations you were having to go out into the cold and to come and be at mass for hopefully less than an hour if I stop talking pretty soon. But you willingly did that because there was something about your belief in God that made you think that this time here was worth it for some reason. Now will you let God do more? Will you let God break through more than what he already has? Because he doesn't want to stop because he loves you. At the end of my homily, I'm going to make reference to something that's pretty odd for Christmas. It's one of the last prayers the priest says at a funeral mass. But at the end of the funeral, he speaks to all the people that are gathered, and he says, may every mark of affection and every gesture of friendship that you give to others be a sign of God's peace for you. Remember that as you celebrate with your family. Remember that tonight. May every mark of affection and every gesture of friendship, may every time that you break through, be a sign of God's peace for you. And my challenge to you, should you choose to accept it, is before you leave the church tonight, Go and wish Merry Christmas to somebody who here is a stranger. 
Just go say Merry Christmas. That's all you have to do. Just to somebody's face who you haven't seen before. If you're comfortable with a handshake, so be it. Because Christmas is about God breaking through our lives. To break down the barriers that we have between each other and between us and Him. Will you receive that gift from God?